Oh my stars, I am so thrilled you're here. My name is Kai Graham and welcome to another episode in my podcast, The Parent and Teen Toolbox, which is designed to equip parents and teenagers with the tools for navigating adolescence. I've been in the trenches of parenting and now I'm on a mission to help parents support their teenagers so that together we can build a mentally healthier and happier generation of young people. Each week you will receive learnings and takeaways that will help you tackle the challenges and the oh shit moments that are often associated with parenting tweens and teens. I have your back and I'm glad you're here. Ladies and gents, I am so excited about this episode. I have the most wonderful Ruth Driscoll, who is going to chat to us about all things um, teenagers and, well, how, how parents can cope with the ups and downs. Ruth is the life liberator. She leads those living with manipulative, abusive and controlling relationships into empowerment and freedom. Before the bullying of an abusive partner caused a complete change in her circumstances, Ruth was a successful head teacher of a rather challenging intercity primary school. Her training offers the skills of elegant assertiveness, which I know I want to touch on today. Values of integrity and compassion are integral to the successful outcomes for Ruth's clients, and this philosophy underpins every aspect of Ruth's training. With a long career working with young people, Ruth supports parents dealing with the difficulties and challenges with their children. And this deep understanding of skill has been very important with the families as when the family setup is fractured or children present particularly bewildering challenges. Ruth is a mentor, a trainer, an award-winning professional public speaker, and she has delivered a TEDx talk. Don't let fear interfere. She is also an international number one best-selling author of Notes to My Younger Self and The Law of Brand Attraction. So my darling Ruth, I am so thrilled you're here and thank you. Thank you for coming on. Okay, I'm absolutely thrilled to be on your podcast. So thank you so much for inviting me. My absolute pleasure. And we we do know each other from real life. Our paths crossed a while back. We um, do. When, yeah, when we were sort of, um, well, it was when I was trying to learn more about public speaking and delivering my message. So, um, and and Ruth sort of supported me in that journey as well. So thank you so much. Yes, yeah, no, uh, very exciting times and, you know, an important way of learning how to package your message and deliver it with impact. And it's wonderful to see how, you know, you have actually uh, really grown and flown from there to create this this amazing opportunity for parents. Yeah, well, we're, we're, we're getting there. And I think it's an important message, isn't it? I think that's yeah. the thing. And this is really sort of what, what I'd love to sort of start off with is, is that at the minute, time of recording, we're sort of two weeks into the start of 2021. The UK are in, well, lockdown number three. Let's hope it's the last one, fingers crossed. But we've got so much uncertainty and I am being contacted by many parents, as I'm sure you are yourself, Ruth, um, contacted by parents who are sort of saying, you know, I don't know what to do. My child's got anxiety. My child is uh, is angry. And it's just sort of coping with, as you sort of said, you know, children, children who are sort of, you know, be- bewildering challenges and and and. 
especially with teenagers, I think we parents sort of think, flip's sake, I should have it all mastered by now. And then we get thrown a curveball, like a blooming global pandemic. Um, And so I think kids are presenting themselves as really angry, but it's not always anger that is the issue, is it? No, and that's a really important thing to understand because, and you know, even without things like global pandemics, pandemics to be dealing with, anger can often mask those really bewildering emotions that teenagers are going through. Um, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's important for us to realise that, that um Teenagers, although they might seem like they come from a different planet sometimes, they are actually wired differently. And during those teenage years, their brains are going undergoing some fundamental development. And so what that means is that they, they actually are not able to process their emotions in the way that an adult can. So, you know, when you feel like, you know, where has this come from? It doesn't even seem to make sense. That's because of the confusion that they're going through at this particular time. And, of course, then what happens is they go th- into almost what you might call a coping strategy, which is let's get it all out there. Let's, you know, I'm just venting. Um, because they don't know what's happening within themselves, their emotions are in a confused state anyway. And in particular at this time where they, they're sort of cut off from the normal channels of, of what you know, healthy teenage life should be all about, which is socialising, which is about um, growing your your sense of independence, Um, you know, finding out more about what you yourself can do or not do, um, building those friendship circles, all of that's kind of cut off from them at the moment. So I think it's really important that parents do have that understanding. And it's great that, you know, the, um, the parents contacting you are saying that they're angry, but they know that it's there are underlying issues beneath that. So, Ruth, how how do we support them? Because it's it's all very well, you know, a lot of this seems to be out of our control. You know, our, and as you sort of saying, our kids are wired for independence. They don't want to be under this blimmin' roof of ours 24-7. And actually, no offence, nor do we want them there. Um, but we, we are sort of restricted that way. They can't see their mates and we're not allowed to allow them to do that at the minute. Um, you know, but it's yes, this is sort of global. But for, for, for other, you know, sort of for anyone that's listening to this sort of further down the line, maybe when restrictions are sort of, you know, really released or, or, or they're sort of back to normal. How do we support our kids? Because this is sort of just a process that we've got to endure, surely, you know, and we've just got to sort of hang around and wait for the brain to develop properly. I mean, you know, what, what do we do in the meantime? <laughs> well, fortunately, there are things that we can do. <laughs> and those things, you know, will be very supportive for helping your, your child to not only understand themselves, but also to grow in terms of their own emotional intelligence. So one of the uh, the things to be aware of is um, helping your child to be constructive about what's happening with them. 
Now, part of that can be that um, you're helping them to understand what's going on inside themselves. So, um, and it's still important that, you know, even though you're, you're trying to help them to be constructive, that you do still have your boundaries in place. Um, that doesn't mean to say that you've got to be draconian about those boundaries, but it, it, in a sense, having those boundaries, those parameters around what's acceptable and what's not acceptable is actually a safety net for a child uh, for and for a teenager, <clears throat> because even though they might seem to be kicking out and rejecting you and rejecting everything that you stand for. The reality is they do still need your love. They do still need your approval and they do still need your acceptance, even though they might seem to have completely withdrawn from you. But the, the, the one thing that I think is really important for us to understand is we have to um, work on this with patience. Okay. And it's no good dealing with it when your teenager is in that state of anger because then they're not in a place to listen i i have this little expression which is when emotion flows intelligence goes and totally yeah yes <laughs> because when you're in a state of high emotion you're you're not able to think straight you you know that yourself you know when you're you're in that state of anger you're tense you can't think straight you're stuck inside the problem, so you can't rationalize outside that problem. So um, deal with strategies around helping them to be more constructive um, and understand themselves a bit better when they are in that state of calm. Okay. Now, it, it, it you know, the other thing is with teenagers, they're going to um, – reject or seem to reject a lot of the overtures that we make towards them. But don't feel that if you have made that overture of, you know, shall we sit and have a chat about this? And, and they say, no way. And, they, you know, and the this, this door's slammed and they're off and they're stuck in their room again. <clears throat> don't think that that means that you haven't succeeded. The idea is to... Um, the the way I've described it with it with a client I was I was working with just recently was that it's like you you sort of lay the trail of breadcrumbs through the forest to allow them to come when they're ready. Now that's the patience that you need here. Don't think, well, I you know I I'm, I've got time now to sit and talk. But um, one way to get them to sort of come towards you and engage with you is to think, well, let me set up um, an activity that I know that they will enjoy. Like, for example, let's make pizzas. Yeah. You know, we can, you know, mix the dough, we can pound the dough. That's good for releasing healthy, you know, um, any sort of tense emotions in a healthy way. Choose your own toppings, that kind of thing. Now, you may well set up something like that and they still won't come. But don't feel rejected if they still don't come. The important thing is um, to just leave the door open and let them walk through it when they are ready. Um, and if they don't join in with actually making the pizzas, you can just say to them, if the pizzas are made, do you want to come down and select your toppings to go on top? Now, you know, that that 
may engage them to come out of the room and, and come down and, and actually choose their own toppings. But something like that, an activity like that, something a bit creative, especially when you're all stuck in the house and you're going a bit stir crazy, <laughs> a little bit of a creative activity like that puts a relaxed atmosphere. And within that relaxed atmosphere, that's where you may have that opportunity to get them to open up a little bit more. Okay. Now, these, these may be just tiny steps. And you, you, as I say, you need that patience to just leave that door open and let them come to you. And, and the key thing about that is that um, if they feel that you're pushing, you're pushing yeah. to get them to open up, yeah. they will shut down. So that's why you, you need to just make sure that you're there for when they need to, um, to speak. Uh, and, and if it, you know, even if it's just a tiny step, you're sowing the seeds that will bear fruit at some later stage. It, it's, I mean, this is, this is gold, but a lot of parents I know just sort of do the, I just feel the whole time that I'm treading on eggshells and the whole house is sort of the, the atmosphere um, is, is sort of revolves around, is my teen in a good mood or a bad mood? And they sort of, they're taking that, you know, the per parents sort of feel, I was going to say rightly so, understandably so, um, tend to sort of take this personally um, in that it's just they can't feel as though they're doing anything right. And, and to the point that, and I know this is sort of a subject sort of very close to your heart, that the teen may or may not be intentionally manipulating the situation, obviously to their advantage. Um, but so how do we deal with that when we actually sort of, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking to a lot of parents who are saying that they sort of feel held to ransom and are sort of bow, nearly bowing down just to keep the peace. What do we do there, Ruth? How do we sort of cope with these, these very complicated power games? Yes. And indeed, it may well, you know, feel like yeah. a manipulation, um, which is why some of the strategies that that, uh, you know, I use in, in the situations where, it, you know, it is most definitely about um, that, that manipulation will also come into play here. And this is this is part of the um, the idea of the elegant assertiveness. Brilliant <laughs> segue. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, when I, I and the reason I say elegant assertiveness is, is that I want to um, differentiate it from what people might have the impression of when, when you use the word assertiveness. Yeah. They may think that that's in itself is about being um, coercive in the way that you approach a conversation. And that, is, as we, I'm sure most parents have discovered, is unlikely to be successful with your teenager. Um, so with elegant assertiveness, the approach is that you're looking to, to create 
a win-win scenario because obviously this is not about pandering totally to what your um, unreasonable teenager is demanding. They've got to know that there's your side of things as well, your standards, your boundaries. It's creating the wrong message, isn't it? If they always, in air quotes, win every, you know, the teen always wins every battle. We're we're teaching them the wrong thing, aren't we? So Yes, exactly. And, you know, it's important for their development that they realise there are other people's points of view around them. Yeah. And there are those qualities of, of compassion, of understanding, of respect that are all an important part of their development so that they become the best and most successful adults that they can be. So, um, uh, so when you're, when, so yes, if I think about, um, you know, if you think of it as a scale in terms of communication, where at the top of that, you've got an autocratic communication style. Yeah. It's about, it's my way or the highway. And at the bottom of that scale, you've got the accommodator who, you know, well, you know, if it keeps the peace, you know, well, I just, you know, I go along with it because it just, it keeps the peace. It stops them kicking off. Yes. And of course that just builds problems further down the line. So the assertiveness comes halfway between, if you like. Brilliant. (laughs) You know, so it's the middle ground where, you know, you're, you, you're, you need to put your point of view across, mm-hmm. but you're not um, giving in to demands that uh, really simply do not work for you and ultimately don't work for your teenager anyway. So let's take, for example, um, you know, if we try to think of a um, perhaps a little scenario. I've, I've got. A, I, can I interject with one? Yes, because it was. Please. I I got one yesterday. Was basically um, a mum was sort of saying that she is trying to restrict. Even that word's the negative, isn't it? Restrict her child's phone usage and was trying to make the child sort of, um, you know, I think they were turning apps off at sort of eight in the evening, which actually, in fairness, for any self-respecting teenager, they're only really sort of socially coming alive at that sort of time. And basically what the child was doing was, if you do not let me use my phone unlimited then I am going to repeat the bad behavior I am and and basically the the child sort of said I am going to throw things and I and so the mum was sort of going well anything for a quiet life I just decided that um you know I I, I'd give my child the phone because then that would mean there was no sort of you know violent behavior really is what it was boiling down to would, would that be a good enough example yes absolutely yes and of course you know in um in a scenario like that, it's a little bit like, you know, when your child was the toddler and they wanted the sweets and and they cried and yelled and screamed and kicked their feet. And so you gave them the sweets. Yeah. So, you know, what does the child learn? The child learns, well, if I want sweets, all I've got to do is shout for long enough and yeah. I get the sweets. And it's exactly the same situation here, you know, where this, um, this uh, young lady has realized that mum is going to give in. Now, you know, in order to overcome that, there will be an element of a pain barrier that you have to go through, just like you you would have with your your toddler to to get them over um, not demonstrating that behavior in order to get the reward. Um, and, And the reason that this young lady 
may well have have realized that you know I can get my own way when I threaten. Yes. So obviously she's developed a, a very um, unhealthy habit around how she gets her own way, and so. Um, but so this this is um, I and I would suggest again it's like what uh, that um, the point that I was making um, at the start there it's no good having these conversations in the moment of emotion yeah and that's probably what happens you're afraid almost to instigate the talk around it because you you're you're thinking she'll kick off yes. But at the time that you then do feel you have to have the conversation, things are already tense. You know, it's that point of of, um, uh, having to go up to the bedroom. You're wanting to remove the phone at that time. And so the tension is already there. It's probably too late by then, isn't it? It's too late. Yes. It's too late to make successful change. Oh, right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Now, when um, the thing is that um, a lot of the time, what makes a, um, a, a teenager really kick off is that they feel a lack of control over certain things. Yeah. And so that's why it's important that when you have these conversations with them, that they are part of it. So they need to be part of the solution here. Now, it could well be, you know, in, in the case of this particular young lady, you know, she's got used to this um, this idea that um, she rules the roost in yes. terms of what happens with her phone. So there will be that pain barrier that you have to go through. And that's where the bit of patience comes in. But you've got to come at these conversations ready to listen, ready to ask open ended questions of them ready to not step in and be the one who makes the judgment about this, be the one who gives the advice around this. But but in terms of, you know, this is where we're actually having a conversation about this. So um, she would start that conversation with um, her daughter, with saying, you know, whoever her name is, you know, I know there's... Um, We've we've had some conflict, haven't we, over the issue of your phone? And you know, I don't know about you, but I feel you know it's it's not very pleasant. I really I don't want to be fighting with you over this. Um, so I'd love if we could sit down and have a little chat about it and see you know see what we can work out together, so that we've got something that works for both of us. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you, she may get a, a good response because now you're you're. It's the invitation. She, you know, yeah. you're asking to hear her point of view around this. So then you would say to her um, something like, um, "So is it okay?" Again, see, I'm I'm inviting them to agree. Is it okay um, if I just let you know my concerns over you? Uh, you know, where I feel perhaps you're overusing your phone. Is that all right if I just talk with you about that? Now, can you see the difference in terms of the way that's been expressed? Yes. Yeah. Because I, I'm not going in saying, look, you know, you need to understand why I ha- why I feel like this. Yes. That's more on that towards the autocratic 
end of the the, the conversation. You're spec. right. Yes, you it's, always stay on your phone too late, and it's got to yeah. stop. Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it it is already you're going in with an approach that's collaborative and you're ready to listen. Now, if you're ready to listen and you're not going to always step in and be the one that says, look, this is how it has to be, then you're you're creating a space where they can come up with a solution. So okay. then you, you might say to them, um, uh, you know, something like, um, you know, um, the, the reason that I'm, I'm concerned about you using the, the mobile phone, perhaps even quite late into the night, and I know it's difficult because now you're acknowledging where your teenager, I know it's difficult because I know that's when your friends are on the phone, isn't it? And you're afraid you're going to miss out. But so, so, you know, you acknowledge their point of view. You're yeah. showing that you understand what their point of view is around this. And then you might say something like, but here's the difficulty. Um, you know, the thing is that we know that these, um, the, the white light from your phone uh, can, you know, sort of interrupt patterns in terms of your brain development, which which uh, will stop you from sleeping successfully. Um, and I don't know, you know, if something comes up, what if something comes up that, like, for example, this is the concern I have, I'm being mum, this is the concern I have that, you know, maybe one of your friends might say something unpleasant that upsets you and you haven't got the opportunity to maybe talk about it with me or, or you know, um, and so you're lying there worrying about these things. Um, you know, would you agree that it's, it's probably not a good idea to be spending all your time on the phone, that there needs to be some sort of um, compromise between that? What do you think? You know, this is how I'm, I'm feeling right now about it. But I don't want to fight with you because, you know, that that doesn't help either of us, does it? Yeah. So what do you think? Let, let me hear what your thoughts are around that. So you see, you've gone in very collaborative, very constructive. You've put your point of view, but you're also inviting their point of view. Yeah. And there, you know, you hopefully will, and it may not happen in the first chat. Oh, you know, it's not we've got to happen overnight, Ruth. We've <laughs> got to be prepared to be patient, but you're sowing the seeds. Yes. Now the approach is different. So even if you just get rejection and even look, you know, I'm not having you. I, I know all that, but, you know, it's fine. It's not a problem. It's not a problem. But you, then you just say, OK, um, all right. Well, you know, I've, I've told you how I feel about it. And, and uh, you know, if you don't want to talk about it any further right now, that's fine. You know, I don't want to push you when when you're not ready. So, you know, let's pick it up again at some later time when you've had a chance to think about it. I think that's the trick, isn't it? Is is keeping the door open and yes. and letting them understand that actually this is not my darling child. The end of the conversation. Yes. Yes. Um, absolutely. And, and the very fact that we've we've sort of given them the invitation um, to um, to collaborate, because once we get co collaboration, I, I firmly believe we get cooperation. Yes. As an end result. Yes. Maybe a little bit further down the line. Um, 
But, you know, sort of, I, I, I do sort of say when push comes to shove is that if your child is wanting to be taught as a, or treated as an independent, to be treated as, air quotes, a, an adult, then they really do need to start behaving like that. And they yes. need to keep the dialogue open rather than throw a hissy fit. But I think that is probably the sort of conversation that or the, the, the comments need to sort of come out slightly more gently and not, not maybe not in the first airing. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Pacing it sometimes will have more effect because what you will have said will be in their unconscious mind and it will start filtering. So it's like it's like sowing a seed and, you know, then it starts to bear fruit, even though you might not. You know, it's happening underground. The shoot hasn't appeared yet. Um, And also the other really important thing is because. You know, when our, our teenagers, they're being very frustrating to have to deal with. You're treading on eggshells around them. You're constantly, wait, you know, waiting for when is it going to kick off? Yes. Thing. You've got to catch them being good. Right. You've got to notice those times when they are doing the right thing. And when you see that, you know, let them know that you've seen it. So it might be just a very small thing, you know, like they they might <laughs> for once put their cup in the dishwasher or in the sink even, you know, and not just leave it lying around. So then you 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 would say something like, oh, thank you. I, I, I noticed you put your, your cup in the sink. Um, that's really helped me. So you're letting them know how it's um, had a, a, you know, a beneficial um, impact on on you yeah. doesn't need to be ott over the top you know just just a little something that lets them know you're not always just looking because they'll be you're always having a go at me you know i can't do anything right look for the things that they are doing right you're so right Ruth. so many of the kids i chat to are sort of going well the only time my mum wants to speak to me is when they're telling me off and you see that's uh, so hard is the fact that (laughs) because we we as parents sort of feel that we have a very small window um to communicate with our kids and because we're desperate to try and turn them into fully functioning sort of well-adjusted adults we're permanently sort of telling them the rules and the boundaries and what they need to do in order to get it right. And, and actually, very, it's very easy not to acknowledge, acknowledge the yes. positives, isn't it? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, you know, I mean, when I was, was head teacher, that was uh, one of the, the big things. You know, you, you notice the children who are doing the thing that you want them to do rather than the one who's grabbing your attention, who's the yes. one who's misbehaving. Look at the ones who are doing the right thing. And that's an important um, aspect for you as a parent to bear in mind when you've got other children as well, you know, so they don't see that the one who's creating the drama is, is, is the one that gets the attention when they're showing the drama, that you're always looking and, and, you know, praising or, or noticing or thanking when you see the right behaviors going on because again it's it's like you know then you're 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 showing that to get your attention in the best way is through the positive route yes. as opposed to 
you know, when I kick off kind of thing. That's and, and when mum pays me attention. That, that, that's because that's what you were saying is that, that that kids need the love and the approval of parents. And um, and I think even though they don't want to admit it, that's the underlying thing, isn't it? It is yes. really just, you know, and, and uh, when they're sort of eight or nine, it's easy to understand that. But when they're teenagers, it's hard. But still deep down, there is that need for, even though they're trying to push away, even though they're they're trying to be independent they're still needing our approval and are really hungry for it and Absolutely. and and the 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 sort of you know the ridiculous thing is as soon as we start giving them that they'll just dismiss it and poo poo it because yes. it's so uncool but you're quite right it is still very very necessary yes yes and the other thing that you know really helps to lift mood and um and to um dissipate tensions humor yes where can you be playful where can you be a bit silly where can you you know have a little joke now when i say that that doesn't mean to say that you in any way um tease in a mocking kind of a way the any you know sort of um sulky behaviors that's not what this is but it's about looking to see where within the family home you can create opportunities for fun, yeah. you know, for, for doing things together, um, for sometimes, you know, um, uh, being a bit sort of um, self-effacing about, about yourself as well, you know, so that they see that you, you're not putting yourself forward as, well, I'm, you know, I'm the one who's always in the right, you know, be be someone who who isn't afraid to say when you've made a mistake or um you know um so that they can see it's all right to to do that yeah but, but humor will always lighten mood so even if it's like you know you you've seen something funny you know, we're all getting these uh, little funny videos and things coming through on our phones from various groups that we're in at the moment. <laughs> you see one, just say, oh, well, you know, have a look at this. And Oh, you're so right. I, I mean, I send I send um, my my sort of kids memes <laughs> the whole time, um, you know, and it's and not really expecting a, a response, but just sort of just to lighten the mood, just to sort of, you know, keep it sort of lighthearted rather than sort of permanently, um, you know, focus focusing on the sort of the bad points and you know sort of stuff like that so it is it's a it's just and it's a great way of keeping the lines of communication open isn't it really it makes life a much easier for kids to think um do you know what mum's not always on my back or you know it's just it's just having something in common isn't it I mean my my, my son's um he's wanting to be a political journalist so you know we've got Donald Trump's um you know or, or, or Joe Biden's um inauguration tomorrow I, the memes that are going to come out of that, yeah. what, you know, and and are sort of preceding that are fabulous. So so that's the way that sort of Jack and I are sort of you know communicating. Um, yeah, it's wonderful. just a bit of banter and a bit of laughter, really. Exactly. It's you know keeping it light, especially if you're in that place where you feel like you're you're treading on eggshells. Yeah. You know, and I think this is a, an important aspect. Also, you've got to still be you. You know, if your teenager is a, is um, sort of affecting the atmosphere in the house to such an extent that you feel you can't even be you around them. Yes. You've got to you've got to say to yourself, look, no, you know, 
um, their behavior is not going to dictate how my mood is going to be. I'm going to take responsibility for my own mood here. And that's a big one. That's yeah. That's a big one to master, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And and you know you can almost act as if they're they're not being (laughs) that sulky person. Just you know, keep going as you are. You know, oh, how are you doing? You know, how uh, you know um, what we're going to have for breakfast today? And, you know, and and, and just keep your banter going, your conversation going. That's where coming out with some of your, you know, funny little anecdotes, things like that will help as well. Oh, do you know, I saw this really funny meme on my phone. I'll show it to you now in a minute. But just let me know first what 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 you're going to have for your breakfast. Do you want me to get it or are you going to sort it out yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, you're quite right. And it's just it's just trying to diffuse it and actually to show your child that you aren't reacting to in the way that they are sort of expecting or needing you yes. to, to, you know, because I mean, it, it's a, a lot of them sort of feel, well, you know, if if I sort of behave well, my mum and dad aren't going to sort of take notice of me. So therefore, in order to get the attention, it's got to be bad behavior. And so. True. It's it's just sort of trying to show them that actually, as easy as it is to say, Kai Graham, that um, <laughs> you know, bad behaviour shouldn't always inst- instigate a response from parents. Exactly, and we exactly. need to pick our battles, don't we? And so this is where you, as a parent, you stay in your power. You know, you're saying this is this is where I am. I'm not going to be pulled into that negative territory, into that manipulative territory, yeah. because that's what will happen if you allow their mood to dictate how you react and respond. So it's about, if you like, holding your space, holding your own power in a in a way you know if you're you're giving it to them if you're allowing yourself to be affected by their mood so this is where you think you you know what um the way in which you will communicate here will be strategic and this is where you say okay i need to talk to them about what happens around bedtimes what happens around mobile phones um, what happens around, you know, us sitting as a family to have a meal together, those things. So I'm going to pick the moment that's going to be suitable to do that. I'm not okay. going to delay it. I'm not going to um, hang back from doing it because I'm afraid they're going to kick off. I'm actually going to expect that they're going to kick off. Well, but- yes. <laughs> yes. Rather than to- oh, wow. Yeah, cool. Yeah, because, you know, then then it's not a surprise or a disappointment when that if that's what happens. <laughs> but, yes, but, but then, you know, if, if you get more of a result, then it's a bonus. It is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, Bruce, <laughs> we're, we're sort of talking about. To me, what is sort of, you know, in, to, in, in all fairness, um, normal sort of teen sort of you know behavior it's stroppy teens and sort of you know arsy behavior but 
how do we know, how do we look, because I know you're good at this, how do we look out for the red flag behaviours, the red, you know, so that, that make us sort of feel, actually, no, I'm dealing with something slightly more serious here? Because a lot of parents are worried that their kids are tipping into anxiety or depression or whatever, especially sort of given the current circumstances. So how do we know, hang on a minute, no, this is normal, or actually, no, this isn't normal, I, I need to red flag this. What? How do we sort of look out for that? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we're we're going to expect argumentative behaviour. Um, where it perhaps becomes uh, more worrying is when those those arguments really seem to escalate to a point where it feels like they're almost out of control. Okay. Um, and you know where violence is being used. You know that's that um, can be a sort of a, a red flag um, because you know it's it's never going to be a good thing if um, anyone is using violence to try to sort a problem out. So you know those are behaviours that we have to be um, concerned about. Um, obviously, at the moment we're in the UK here. We're in lockdown. But um, in normal circumstances, if your child is perhaps skipping school, then that will be a red flag. If they're getting into fights with with others um, and, you know, possibly even uh, they're at that point where, where, you know, they may be having um, run ins with the law. Yeah. Um, So, you know, obviously there things are starting to escalate to a point uh, which is beyond sort of normal teenage angst. Yeah. The other thing to be watching out for, because that might be a very overt way of of, um, showing the red flags, but it could also be becoming very withdrawn. Um, And now this is where you need to be very aware of of appearance um, and looking at where they seem to be almost sinking, withdrawing right in, um, spending long, long periods of time alone. um, Keep a lookout for any evidence where there may be self-harming going on or whether um, you're noticing in terms of their appearance that there's an extreme weight loss or an extreme weight gain. All of those are signs that there's there's um, troubled. They're, they're they're becoming troubled as opposed to just going through the normal um, teenage um, with rebellion um, and uh, uh, strive for independence. Um, listen out if you do hear any hint of them talking about um, suicide. You know because obviously that's that can be a a major concern if they are sinking into um, a depression. Yeah. Uh, um, and you will feel it yourself. I mean, you know, in, in even in normal situation, in a normal situation, it feels like your, your teenager has become a completely different person, but this, this me, this would, uh, you know, in the red flag, it would be a real, personality change that you're seeing that yeah. you're, you're sort of you know this child is unrecognizable to the the child that they used to be 
again, when we're outside of um, the restrictions that we're in at the moment, it's it's um, thinking about have they changed their peer group recently? Are they now mixing with a very different group of children that perhaps seems to be having a detrimental effect on the way that they are responding to you? You know, are there um, the the way in which they they disrespect your rules or um, your your sort of boundaries? You, you feel yourself if it's reached a worrying level. It's not just a frustration. It's not just an irritation, but it's actually like I really feel quite scared for what's happening with my teenager. Yeah, and it is. So it, it's just watching. And I think the thing is, is that the the overt signs are easier to spot, aren't they, than the than yes. the, the the sort of you know the withdrawals and the coverts and the, and I think I think that that's a great piece of advice. Is actually we then start need to sort of you know use different senses and to you know sort of watch the physical appearances rather yeah. than rather than the, the sort of belligerent behaviour, really, isn't it? And and this is also where, you know, using the strategies that we talked about earlier on, when you're in in that state of calm, just inviting them to to, um, a conversation where, you know, you can can express to them your concerns, but not in terms of you putting um, a judgment or an advice or a solution to them, but just opening up the concern so that they can then, you know, um, start to talk to you about it. I think that what happens a lot of the time is, and, you know, uh, even as we've said with, with sort of the normal um, difficulties that you have with a teenager, it's, it's, you know, being strategic and saying, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going yes. to mention this to them. Yes. And not expecting that there will be an immediate result. But, you know, if you if you have a child that's that's withdrawing or sinking into a depression or is being influenced by um, a peer group that um, are, are very unhealthy for them, knowing that they can come and talk to you. Yeah. And, and that they can talk safely, that they're not going to come and have a judgment put upon them about it or um, a solution imposed upon them. Yeah. Because Anything that they are, you know, where they are part of finding that solution, they're going to take ownership of it. And I think that's the part of teaching a teenager, isn't it? It's teaching them that actually we are no longer the sort of the solution maker. It's it's fine when they're little and they need that. But in order to learn, teenagers need to find out how they make tricky decisions and and they need to be able to do that with our support, really, isn't it? Yes. Yes, they do. Yes. You know, when I was um, head teacher of the inner city primary school, um, and it was um, a, a school that was in the lowest 5% of socioeconomic deprivation. There were um, gangs on the street. There was knives. There was gunfights. You know, it was not a very easy place for any family to be bringing up a child. And I used to feel for the parents very much in that situation. But I do remember this one particular day. The children had been dismissed from school. Um and uh, this incident happened in the playground. So they were; these were children in the top class, uh, which we call year six. Um, 
So they were the 11 year olds and two girls had had a, an argument with one of the boys in their class and they kicked him in the balls. And the incident was reported to me because the children had already been dismissed. And I was really shocked because these were two really, you know, lovely young ladies. And the boy, was, you know, he wasn't a, a troublemaker or aggressive or argumentative. It, so I was really astonished and, and quite puzzled by it. And the next morning, the two girls were, were sent to, to me to talk about this incident. And they stood in front of me um, and they were absolutely crestfallen. And they said, Mrs. Driscoll, I don't know what's wrong with us. We were walking down the street and we see someone we know and we're absolutely horrible to them. And I don't know why. And that really sort of set me thinking, you know, about the challenges that that um, our young people face, particularly from within the pressures of their environment, their peer group, all of those things. And I thought, what can I do to help them? Because I can't be out there on the streets and, you know, um, so what can I do for this community that will help them? Because I recognise that as teenagers, you know, they weren't teenagers when they were with me, but they were going yeah, on yeah. now for their teenage years. They probably were in the situation where they had two choices. Either you were a member of the gang or you were a victim of the gang. Yeah. And I recognise that there may be things that they might have to do. Oh, so, yes. In those years that were not true or congruent with who they were. Totally. So I thought, what can I do that will protect them, even if they do what they have to do in that time, that they'll come out of it the other side intact or they're all right um, and I introduced philosophy for children well tell us more about that across, across the whole curriculum so that because what I felt was the one thing that I can support the children in this community to have is the power over their own minds the power of knowing what's right, what's wrong, the power of exploring your values, knowing what sits congruently with you and what doesn't, knowing that it's all right to disagree with somebody. That doesn't mean to say you have to fall out with somebody. It means that, you know, you can be um, you can put your viewpoint across without you feeling aggressive about it, without you needing to um uh, impose your viewpoint on someone else, but that you're recognizing the balance in terms of communication. Now, whether that was successful or not, obviously, I, you know, I had no means of measuring that, but we introduced it right from the three-year-olds all the way through the school curriculum. Oh, Ruth, that is something that our curriculum is needing at the minute, isn't it? I mean, yes. you know, we, we hear our kids learning about cloud formations and calculus, and yet they don't even know what's churning around in their own heads. Yes. I, I, I yes. salute you for that because I think that's probably one of the pieces of the jigsaw that's still missing. Yes, but parents can, you know, you, you know there are ways in which you can, um, you know, with your own child, think, how can I help my child to have that power over their own thinking? Yeah. And that's through having um, opportunity within the family that you can discuss a viewpoint. 
you know, like you were saying with your son, Jack, you know, uh, the, the things that are coming through now with his interest in, in, in yeah. political journalism, you know, uh, debating a point that comes up um, as a family. So it's it's not any, you know, an issue that you need to be setting boundaries around or or any of that. But just let's look at this came up. You know, yeah. I find that quite interesting. What do you think? And just discussing it in in a yeah. very normal and natural way, um, and allowing those open ended questions towards your children, so that they are able to hear the words coming out from their own mouth. That's exactly it, isn't it? It's yeah. it's it's helping them formulate in their own head who they are because yes. and 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 how wonderful that home is a safe place to do that to work out that it's all right to be you and it's all right and and you're you're quite right because sometimes we need to verbalize what we're saying in order yes. to go oh well, actually that's not what I thought at all or that didn't sound right you're but it's right. having that safe place to do that isn't it yes and and this is particularly important for your teenager where obviously the peer group and the social media is going to be having such um yeah. uh, you know an impression on what they think and feel and you know they they may think that they have to think and feel a certain way because yeah. that's what social media says or that's what you know the the peer group says but when it's sitting uncomfortably with them yeah that can be very stressful as well as well as very confusing yeah and that's when you know that the anger can start to come out because they don't know how else to express it or the withdrawal can start to happen because they can't they can't handle it they can't process it so they they just turn away from it and, and go in so having those opportunities where you as a family can talk about what's happening in the in the big wide world but allowing them to put their points of view across and and then when they come out with the point that you use open-ended questions to be able to deepen their thinking a little bit further. I mean, that's, that is so, and that's what so I'm going to sort of segue into um, your um, handout that you're going to offer the, the listeners, because um, you have um, created seven tips sort of basically, well, it's, it's to support parents in successful interaction with their kids isn't it so I, yeah. I call it the seven a's but um if people want to what email you directly and and you can send that to them is that yes way? absolutely yes I, i'll very gladly do that brilliant yes. because I, that, I i was just reading through that handout and it's absolutely brilliant and it's it's a mine of information in pointing parents in the right way of being able to communicate maybe slightly more successfully um, with their kids. So that's brilliant. Yes. <laughs> but, Ruth, thank you. That that is just that was just wonderful. I, I so appreciate that. And um I'm I'm sort of secretly hoping you'll be able to sort of um come on another time because I know there are other areas um that I'd love to sort of discuss with you. But thank you so much for that. That was an absolute gem of an episode. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much, Kai. I really appreciated being here. Chat soon. Thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. If you want to help other parents looking for support, then please share this with your friends and family. Because if you found this podcast useful, then they will too. So please share via your social media. If you have any parenting questions, then please give me a shout through my email, which is 
toolbox at kaigraham.com. And I may even use your question as a future podcast episode. If you want to connect, please come and join me on Instagram. Just search for Kai Graham. Also, could you do me a favour, please? Parenting teenagers can feel very confusing and isolating at times. And I believe that it takes a village to raise a child. And we are here to support one another. I'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes. And a good one, by the way. (laughs) Because when you do, it lets more parents out there know that there is support for them too. Thank you. And as always, this comes with much love.